Uh, as I mentioned, Pastor Valik is a pastor in Ukraine uh, in a church called Rea Church, and they have been ministering for decades there. Uh, Valik is actually uh, my age. He's actually one year older than me. Birthday, you're one year and one day older than me. Uh, and so we're, we're like uh, brothers from another mother, you know what I mean? Uh, so Pastor Valak is dear to my heart. Uh, he has been ministering faithfully and more than just um, in his church, but out into the community. You know, during this war-torn time in Ukraine, the, the funds that we have given uh, that get uh, sent to Valak have actually gone to help him be able to minister, not just in his own town, but all the towns, surrounding towns in Ukrainian area. So, so much ministry is happening through Valak and his family and Rhea Church. He's also a gifted preacher and he's going to be bringing the word today. So can you give a warm Brandywine welcome to Pastor Valak Groshetsky? As he preaches today, let me pray. Father, would you speak through Pastor Valak today? Speak through, even this is not his native tongue, but may you give him the ability to communicate in a way that would connect powerfully, spirit to spirit, soul to soul, that you would challenge us, transform us, because we sat under the teaching that he's labored through this week in prayer. Lord, so the word that he shares, may it fall on soft hearts so we might be able to receive it. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, it's a, such a privilege for me to be here and speak the word of God to think together with you upon uh, the words, uh, the chapter that you have been reading, I believe, many of you, many times. And uh, today we will uh, think over some important issues. But to, to begin uh, my um, sermon, I want to start from a story about the ancient uh, king called Alexander III of Macedonia, well known as Alexander the Great. Was, once he was staying on the hill, watching far away his uh, army, his army was in the fierce battle with the, with the enemy. And when he was watching, he saw from the great distance that one of his warriors left the battle. He felt that it's a, it's a big problem. He uh, ordered his uh, warriors that have been with him to go and catch this uh, man that was trying to hide in the woods. In several hours, they brought, they returned back and brought this man to him. And uh, when he was, uh, when this uh, warrior was approaching him, he saw it's a, not a mature man, it's a young man. It's a boy. And uh, he felt compassionate about him. He asked him a question. What's your name? And the man answered, Alexander. He was threatened and uh, he was afraid, trembling. So the Alexander looked at him and told him, boy, you have to do one of the two things. You have to either 
change your name or change your life. Dear brothers and sisters, today we are carrying on ourselves a very glorious name. This name, Christian. I know some of them, some of you have this very name, first name. Yeah, so, uh, but if you're, if you're like me, having other names, like I am Valik and you are, have other names, but everyone who declares himself to be a Christian wears this uh, glorious name because this is the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is a Christ and we are his followers, Christians. And this is not only uh, for us, it's not uh, only uh, a privilege, it's not only an honor, but it's a great responsibility. We can be like this young man. We can declare that we are Christians and we can try something and do something, but when life gets hard and the battle is fierce, we can be living the battle. And I feel today the Christianity all over the world, in your country and in our country, uh, is struggling with the same issues. The same issues that they were struggling in the first century. So today, my message to you is from the first Peter, chapter 4. I name it demand for the purity in the trenches. Jesus Christ has demand, is demanding the purity from the first Christians uh, to which Apostle Peter was, were writing. They lived in a pagan world. They lived in a different wor world in some way. But in other way, that world was uh, spiritually wise. It's the same world. They were uh, facing the same uh, temptations. They, have been, uh, they had the same sinful nature. They, they were the same people. So today I want to read with you this passage. I want you to uh, pay attention to what uh, Peter is writing to uh, Christians of the first century. I want you to think what God was speaking to, the, to that people and what he is speaking to us. So let us uh, pay attention and open your Bibles uh, or follow uh, me reading on the screen. Uh, if I make some mistakes, so please forgive me. Um, so let us read. First Peter ch uh, chapter 4, starting from verse 9 through 11. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in the reckless while living, 
and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and, sober, and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers all over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as a faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, it's a long text. There are many details, many verses that uh, maybe some of you would like to uh, hear an interpretation. What the Peter meant. But today I will not go into the deep exegesis and uh, ponder upon some difficult verses that are in this passage. Today I want to be simple. I want to ask with you three questions. Three questions and try to find an answer in this text for these uh, three practical questions. These questions will uh, both apply for people of that time and for us today, both in Un United States and Ukraine. So, my first question. Are there invisible differences between a Christian and a pagan? Are there invisible differences between a Christian and a pagan person? I have a man that works for me. He is not a Christian in my understanding. And when I was using terms believer, unbeliever, and uh, talking to him, he told me, well, like, I don't like this uh, terminology. Everyone is a believer. I'm also a Christian. So, you know, sometimes in our world today, it's hard to speak. Uh, and uh, some people are very sensitive to these words. But at the time of the first century, that was a clear distinction. You're either a pagan or a Christian. And to be a Christian meant to be a member of some new sect for most of the people. So there was a clear distinction. And now it's hard to uh, make uh, sharp lines. And today I may be a very categorical, but uh, it's still a very important question. Are there differences between a Christian person and a pagan person? Christian person and a worldly person? So, and we will start today now from the invisible. 
There are some things that are invisible. If, I'm, uh, if I will be walking uh, on the street, just in some uh, shop, supermarket, and you will see me and the other person, you will not, it's not written on me, I'm a Christian, right? So I will be looking like any other worldly person. So the same you are. We are dressed the same way, we look the same, uh, but there is still a great difference between a Christian and a non-Christian person. And we'll see this in, the, uh, in this passage. So let us uh, look. Look at the first, uh, at the first uh, verse. Peter says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. So, I think that Christians have attitude for suffering different from an attitude for sufferings of the non-Christian. We have the attitude of Christ, and they have a worldly, at that time, pagan what was the difference? The clear difference was in, in the attitude because the attitude uh, of the pagan person for, for the suffering was that this, uh, that suffering has no sense and no meaning. Just look. Every pagan person was was. Um, praying and worshiping idols for what reason? He was worshiping so that the gods he was worshiping would save him from suffering. They would uh, ask them to give them good crops, to give them a good life, protect from the enemies. In some sense, they all have, uh, all have been uh, uh, people who lived in the gospel of the, of the prosperity. The same for Jews. They believed that suffering is always evil and uh, there is nothing good. It has no sense and meaning except as it is God who is punishing them for their mistreatment of the law. They they all always looked at the sufferings as a curse that we should await at every cost. But here, for both Jews, uh, for Jews, the Christ uh, uh, that was crucified on the cross was a blaspheme. Christ, Messiah, suffering, no. And for pagans, it was a nonsense. It was the most crazy idea one could come with. Why should somebody need such a savior? And for us Christians, it's a power for salvation. He has suffered through the cross for us. He paid the price. His sufferings have great Purpose, great sense, and great meaning. And he says that we should have the same attitude as Christ had. 
Because the one who have gone through the bodily suffering is done with sin. Yeah, sufferings do something. They help us to get away from the sin. Just those of you who are Christians who have gone through this, I bet you experienced a big turmoil of sufferings before you became a Christian. You have gone through a difficult time in your life. And if not those sufferings, probably you would not become a Christian. So God uses evil suffer, evil things, bad things, even our sinfulness. He uses to bring something good about it. I met one man in my life who became a Christian uh, and his past was alcoholic. He was an alcoholic and uh, he was very poor because of uh, alcoholism. And when he uh, heard the gospel, he felt there are people that still love him and want to help him, uh, Christian people in our church. So he um, started to attend the church and quickly became a Christian. His life has changed. He stopped drinking, started to work. His family, his children, everything was uh, very nice. But then in some time, maybe a, a one year later, al al alcoholism again uh, took hold of him. He was captive again by uh, al uh, alcoholic addiction. He started to cheat and uh, to drink again. He, he was hiding. He, he, he was coming back to the, his past life. And I was praying about him. I was uh, encouraging him. I told him, it doesn't matter uh, what did you do tomorrow. Uh, if today Sunday, go to the church. Uh, pray. We will pray for you. We, uh, uh, we, will, uh, we will be with you in this battle. And you know, during uh, this uh, second time, he got cancer. It was a difficult thing. And what good can be in, this, in the cancer? But God used that suffering for this man to go close to him. He has died as a believer. He left his uh, sinful ways. I saw the love for the Lord I never seen before. I saw such a commitment. I saw such a faith. And I think that would be again not possible without the suffering. So the attitudes are different of the Christian, uh, Christian person and a non-Christian person, attitudes toward the suffering. What else is different? What, what is invisible? The, the second thing, the second thing's passions and motives are different. Just look in the, uh, at the verse two. Just look at the verse two, it says, as a result, they, Christians who suffered and who, have, have, who are done with sin, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So, the pagan person, he lives for the evil human desires. Do you have human evil desires? If you're like me, you have. Bible says, 
none of us escape from this. Yes, I know you have also good desires, good human desires, but everyone has evil human desires. We find it in the early age that something evil lives in us and we want something that is contradictory to the will of God. I myself didn't hear about God until I was 10. At 10, I was the first time I saw, uh, I heard about God. So, I understood that the good thing is what is good to me. What I felt good was good. What I felt evil was evil. My uh, mother and other people would tell me what is good and evil, but yeah, I, made, I, 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 I had my own opinion on that. So, to lie to my mom, and to everybody else, yeah, it was a good thing. But now I know it was evil. To curse, to steal, to, uh, to fight with uh, my peers, to uh, do uh, uh, other bad things. I was proud of myself. I, and I was still a child. I started to smoke when I was uh, a little child. And uh, my mother, I was hiding and lying. So this, uh, so I was living for my evil human desires when I was little, when I was very young. And I just think, if the Lord wouldn't come into my heart when I was 12, 13 year old, if I wouldn't commit my life to him in the baptism when I was 14 year old, what would grow out of me? If the Lord wouldn't capture my evil desires, if he wouldn't reign over them, what would happen? Yeah, my life would be a total broken thing. I wouldn't be better than my father. I wouldn't be better than many other men. Maybe much more worse. So, Maybe you are fighting with the same evil human desires. Those who are Christians, we have the issues. We are fighting. Non-Christians, they just live for them. So there is a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian because a Christian, Peter says, he lives for the will of God. What is the will of God? Will of God it's his desires. It's his strong desires. It's God's passions. So, a difference between, uh, between a Christian and a pagan, Christian and the worldly person, is that the worldly person lives for evil human desires, and the, non, uh, and the Christian lives for the passions of God, his holy desires, his good desires. So, uh, what, so we have been talking about what, what makes us different uh, in uh, this invisible area. What makes us so different in, invisible area, uh, in, the vis uh, in the visible area. So, if you know a Christian person and a non-Christian person pretty well, you see them often, you can observe there is a difference. There should be a difference, right? So, let us uh, go back to the verse 3. 
It says, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living. So, there is a... Can, can you go to the next uh, uh, slide? Yeah. So, our behavior is different. Behavior of the Christian and the non-Christian is different. And uh, I just listed uh, in, the la in the next uh, slide. Yeah, so this is the, how pagan uh, person lives. They live for these things. And, uh, yeah, when I think of myself, uh, yeah, that was just about it. Yeah, I was too young to become a Christian to go through some of the things listed here. I didn't, didn't try to drink. I uh, didn't have uh, sexual issues at that, at that time. But when I grew up later, I saw my friends, I saw their lives. Many things I couldn't see because they are still hidden, they are, they are made in private, but there are so many things open. And uh, yeah, I think we are not living in the better world. We are, we are not any better than these people in the first century pagans. I think America is not better than Roman Empire and Ukraine. So, but what is the behavior of the Christian? How, how should we behave? How should we behave? So we, we read about this. We read this. Uh, so at least the Peter says that nothing that was listed above, nothing that uh, de describes the pagan person, their style of life, Nothing of this can be in, a, in Christian life. So it's a, our past. We live a, a different style of life. But what should we do? So let's uh, look um, uh, in the uh, verses below, starting from verse 7. Therefore be alert and sober mind. We should have be alert and of sober mind. Look, above all, love each other deeply. Nine, verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received uh, to serve others. So we are serving people as faithful stewards of God's grace uh, in, its, in its various forms. If anyone speaks, should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Look, it's a completely different style of life. There is a sharp distinction, not only inside of our attitudes and our passions, but also in the visible side of our, our area. So, my dear friend, if you claim to be a Christian, but people who are observing your life, they cannot say so. 
because they see something really wrong going on in your life. Maybe, maybe for others, you are also looking pretty nice. You can hide. You can, uh, you can uh, like me, uh, when I was a child, uh, you can uh, look uh, very nice uh, for your spouses, for your children, for your parents, for everybody else at work, but you know there is something really wrong going on in some of your behavior. So the Lord wants to you to change. He doesn't want to change your name. He wants to change you, your life, your behavior. This is a demand for pure, for pure life. So, what else? What else makes different? Uh, we can go to the next uh, uh, slide. Um, suffering is different. Christians are suffering in a different way and for different persons, uh, for different reasons. If we read this, uh, when we read this passage, we see that uh, 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 Apostle Peter says uh, some uh, little lower in the chapter, he says <clears throat> that not, none of you have to, uh, have to uh, suffer as a murderer or uh, the one who steals things, uh, as an ungodly person. So, most of the Christians, uh, non-Christians, they are suffering as the consequence for their sins. Sin has consequences, and always it brings to uh, deep suffering. Your families can be broken, your health can be destroyed, you can go through the deep brokenness, as my friend went, and the Christians are suffering for a different person, uh, for, the, for the different reason. We read this in the... Uh, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests in you. If you suffer, it should be not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of the criminal uh, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God so that you bear that name. So people are watching us when we are suffering and they want to see the difference. Non-Christian people are watching and if you suffer as a Christian for a good thing, they want to become Christians as well. That's how the suffering Christianity is growing much uh, faster than in the countries where, where is no persecution and no sufferings, like in your country and like in our country. In our country, we felt church growing much faster during the uh, last uh, year. It was not persecution for faith, but we were suffering in a different way as non-Christians suffer. So there are invisible and visible difference uh, between a Christian and a non-Christian person. So the third question, 
that I want to ask you. Is there a difference in how a Christian and a pagan will be treated at the judgment? Yeah, there will be a great difference. There will be a great difference. We, we read in the passage that both of them will be judged. So a Christian and a non-Christian will be judged. And guess who will be judged first? Us, Christians. We will be judged first. Peter says that the judgment will start from the household, of, from the God's household. So we will be judged. And he says, and if the righteous ha has hard time to be saved, what will happen with the unrighteous, with the pagan? Just read the verses below. He says, uh, so there will be a big difference. It says that the righteous, a Christian, will be saved. He will be called righteous. He will be declared righteous. Not because of his righteousness, but because of righteousness of Christ. But because he listened to the gospel when he was alive. And he repented in his sins. And he believed in Jesus Christ. And he lived fighting with his own passions, with uh, all uh, own sinfulness. And the ungodly will be judged. He will be condemned. He will be declared guilty. And he will be sent to the eternal suffering. My dear friends, I want to ask everybody of you, are you a Christian? Or maybe you're a worldly person. Maybe you're close to God. You come to the church, you're listening to the sermons, you worship God here, but you cannot say with a uh, conviction inside, yes, I'm a born-again Christian. I became a Christian. You, you don't have this uh, uh, testimony. Maybe you're struggling with some, maybe you are a Christian, and, but you are still struggling with many issues of your past life. Maybe you're like that uh, young boy. You're uh, going away from the battle, and you try to find a safe place and you want to live the life you lived before. It's important for you to take this challenge, to change your life, to make a commitment to the Lord. Maybe you are a person who lives with, who lived with the Lord for a long time. You are a Christian for many decades. And you're kind of tired. You, uh, uh, the life is not easy for you. Uh, I want to leave for you uh, a verse out of this chapter. The last verse. Let us... So then... Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good.
my, my dear brother and sister, I don't know what are you going through, but I ask you, today, in the prayer, commit, recommit if it's needed, recommit yourself to Jesus and uh, promise him to continue to do good, to live the life of the Christian and let his name, let the name of Jesus Christ to be praised and honored and glorified through your daily life. May the Lord be praised among us. Amen. Let us pray. My dear, dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you have chosen us to be the light in this world. You have chosen us to be a salt for this world. You have chosen us to live a different life. You have chosen us and you changed our attitudes. You changed our passions. Lord, we are still have, a, have battles in our life and we still sometimes fall and we do wrong things. But Lord, I thank you for encouraging us to recommit our lives, to repent if it's needed. Lord, I ask you, please uh, speak to us, speak with your Holy Spirit and convict us into our transgressions. Lord, give us more mature commitment to you in continuing to do good. I pray to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.